The Reserve Bank last month indicated it had reached an OCR peak, barring any surprise shocks. Treasury in Budget 2023 also indicated the economy had underlying momentum and could avoid a recession. But every week we hear different views from economists and forecasters about how the economy, interest rates and inflation may go up, down, sideways. So this month's Dollars and Cents asks, what's the value in these predictions and are they helpful? To debate, Squirrel's Chief Executive David Cunningham, Kiwi Bank's Chief Economist Jared Kerr and Infometrics Chief Forecaster Gareth Kiernan join us. Well, first to you, Gareth. Christian Hawksby has recently told MBR that setting the OCR involves a bit of science and art as well. Is that the same with forecasting? Very much so. I mean, while all economists will have their models and, and how the economy works and, and you know the sort of ins and outs of that, um, my experience of over, you know, 24 years of forecasting is that there is still a lot of judgment that goes around that. I mean, even if you have the best model in the world, if you're putting garbage into it, you're going to get garbage out the other side. And so, yeah, for us, in terms of doing our forecasting work, there is that element of judgment because no two economic cycles are the same. There's always different drivers, different aspects to it. And so um, it does very much rely on sort of that experience as well that you can bring to to the table. So what goes in, what feeds into your forecasts that you publish? Um, what are you looking at regularly? So, I mean, we do a lot of work in the building industry, for example, and, and around the housing market. So and while we're doing a sort of broader macroeconomic forecast, we really do focus in on, on drivers like interest rates, net migration, when we're starting to think about what's going to happen with housing and, and residential construction, for example, as well. When it comes to the economy inflation, what factors come into play when you're predicting where it might head? You'll be looking across um, a whole range of factors. You're looking at how the global economy is going in terms of some of the potential price pressures that we could be uh, bringing in from overseas. We're looking at uh, domestic demand as well and sort of imbalances, particularly we've had over the last couple of years, which have uh, you know, contributed to a lot more inflation than we've had previously. Uh, you look at the labour market and some of the potential uh, cost pressures that can be coming through there. And then something else would be the exchange rate as well. Obviously, the movements in that can cause, um, uh, you know, changes in the price level within New Zealand. Uh, that's a selection of the factors. There's probably other ones as well, but yeah, there's quite a, quite a few factors that can influence inflation. And that bounces around week to week, month to month? You're seeing changes all the time? Um, yeah, some of those some are more stable than others. I mean, the exchange rate can be all over the place, and certainly as a forecast, that's one of the things I least like to forecast because I think there's you know been research which has suggested in the past that you may as well just sort of stick your head out the window and, and have a bit of a guess, really, whereas other, so other ones can be more stable. You take the labour market, for example, the, the evolution of the some of the pressures that we can see through there do tend to take longer to come through uh, in terms of uh, shifting it around. So, yeah, you can be tweaking things from time to time, but but sometimes, um, you know, it does take a while for those changes to come through. And Jared Kerr, is it also a little bit about reading the tea leaves? Oh, absolutely. Uh, it's a difficult job forecasting at the, at the best of times. And uh, what we've seen over the last three or four years has been, you know, very, very disruptive with COVID coming through. And I remember at the, the you know, the height of the outbreak, uh, you know, we all got together and, and started thinking about just how bad the, the COVID pandemic would be. And it turned out to be, you know, no, nowhere near as bad as, as we thought in the in the, the height of it all. Um, so it's, it's very difficult, but it is a lot of fun, uh, I think, trying to 
get a handle on, on where the economy's going and, and, and what's happening. And, um, you know, I, I agree with what Gareth said. Um, I do actually enjoy uh, forecasting the, the currency. It's a lot of fun. You know, you've got to get a handle on what the terms of trade is doing, you know, what our export price is likely to do. Um, so you've got to have a handle on global growth or trading partner growth. Uh, and then it's, you know, also about interest rate differentials. So, so what is our central bank doing relative to other central banks that all sort of feeds in into it uh, and at the moment we think we're we're likely to see a, a much weaker kiwi over the over the rest of the year and you know that feeds into inflation like gareth said you know if the currency's falling that makes things more expensive to import um there, there is just a, a lot of moving parts um in all our forecasts um, particularly for inflation and, and unemployment which is a key a key variable that banks uh like to to forecast because obviously a high correlation with with defaults and stress in, in households. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, we're always reading the tea leaves and we're always throwing darts and, and doing whatever we can to, to come up with reasonable forecasts. Interested to get your thoughts on uh, a recent uh, document you released in the past week or so looking at the Reserve Bank. Um, you're now saying that they're on hold and the next move will be a cut. you Comrades at other banks are saying that, you know, there are many variables the Reserve Bank may need to hike later this year. When you put out a, a document saying the Reserve Bank now on hold, pretty definitively, uh, you know, and there's other mixed views out there, how helpful is that? Well, I think, it's, I think it is quite helpful, actually. Um, there are a lot of people rolling off, uh, you know, very low rates onto, onto high rates now. And I think, you know, guiding them to say, well, actually, we think rates are going to be lower uh, in six months' time or, or a year's time. And, and in fact, you know, wholesale rates are already lower um, and feeding into to some uh, mortgage rates or, already. Uh, I think we have seen a peak in, uh, in interest rates in this country. And if that's true, um, you know, they will be a lot lower in, in six months' uh, time, particularly if the Reserve Bank does come in and start easing, as we think, uh, from February next year. That is a, a, a different view to, to some of the other um, economists out there, uh, they're putting much more weight on this migration boom and 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 what we've seen in the, in the government budget. But you know, I don't know how much downside you need to see in the main data um, to come to the conclusion that they're done. I mean, things have changed a lot in the last nine months. Um, I am in a privileged position where I get to speak to a lot of different businesses and the conversations that we've had. You know, nine months ago, we we're all about trying to find staff and the and the rise in costs. And now that conversation's changed to actually, we're worried about revenue. We're worried about our order book. We're worried about getting rid of stock. Um, that is a a big change in in conversation. And you know, businesses are telling us they're they're actually more likely to reduce staff le- levels than than what they were a year ago. So, you know, a lot of the data has turned, uh, and it's turned quite sharply. And we can see it in the GDP, the CPI report, and you know the retail sales. You know, there's just a lot of weak data out there that's also being matched in our credit card and debit card spending, and also government revenues. Right, GST is lower than expected. Corporate tax is lower than expected. You know, how much downside stuff do you do you need to see? Mm. David Cunningham, you you 
wrote to the Reserve Bank Governor ahead of last month's OCR announcement, and you've essentially said you admire what economists and forecasters do. Um, you t- say they tend to zig and zag together. What do you mean by that? Yeah, my reflection is normally the magnitude or the direction, timing, and so on is fairly consistent. I guess it's the turning points. Like I was, I wrote that letter to to the governor on the day before the the last OCR announcement, saying don't tighten, uh, and here's why. And my reflection was that there was an economics report that came out from one of the large banks uh, about two weeks beforehand, where they called inflate uh, called migration, and said it was going to be inflationary, whereas. I looked at it and looked at all the other indicators, sort of what Jared said, you know, there were many indicators that were telling us both that things were moving in a positive way from an inflation perspective, but also my key reflection was that the pain still coming for households is enormous. You know, we're only halfway through the monetary policy tightening cycle. And my reflection is consumers are generally actually quite slow to react to changes in the economy. And, you know, with only, with another one and a half percent to go on household interest rates, as mortgage advisors, we we're already seeing some pain. But that was uh, mitigated to some extent by big buffers that have been built up with the very low interest rates. The pain's now really real. And we were seeing it and talking to customers sort of day in, day out, trying to find ways to get them through the next year until interest rates potentially came down. So, you know, I was sort of seeing all those leading indicators, plus my reflection that I think migration is deflationary in the sense of it relieves relieves those wage pressures that are really strong. Again, that takes a while to flow through. But as Jared said, you know, as that flows through to businesses, you know, saying we might be laying off staff, you know, just as the economy is getting a lot more workers, (laughs) uh, the demand for workers is sort of going to fall. So, you know, it's a sort of a lagged impact. And my point really was that the... Uh, monetary policy tightening cycle is only halfway through in terms of households. So there's the work, the hard work has been done. Now it's sort of my my sort of advice and reflection was, you know, watch, worry and wait, which is an often used term, but it felt to me like that. On reflection, I actually think the governor did the perfect thing uh, in terms of tightening because the market's expected 25 to 50. He gave them 25 and considered in the monetary policy mm. committee um considered zero um, move. So, you know, if you hadn't moved, you probably would have seen a plunge in interest, wholesale interest rates, which might have been somewhat counterproductive. But, you know, it was actually the perfect outcome. And that forward track, um, you know, I think very firmly signaled the top of the cycle, but it's going to stay there for a while, whether it's six months, 12 months, you know, interest rates clearly are going to start to fall. There's a lot of pain still to come. And Gareth, there was a lot of talk about 25 and 50 ahead of the OCR announcement. Why was 50 mentioned? It was a reflection of, of a couple of factors. Firstly, there was the uh, migration, very strong migration numbers that have been coming through over the last two to three months, and there has been a massive surge there. Um, and just debate about you know how inflationary or deflationary that might be. Obviously, it does add to the labour supply, but also in the near term, potentially adds to some of those demand pressures when the economy has been uh, already already heavily stretched by very strong demand over the last couple of years. The other factor, of course, was the government's budget about a week ahead of the. Um, Um, monetary policy review from the Reserve Bank. And again, that was uh, more stimulatory than expected. Prior to the uh, budget, the Finance Minister had talked about reprioritisation of spending, but there wasn't really a great deal of that when the numbers came out. In fact, it was sort of more more spending, more borrowing, lower revenue for the government. And so again, there was a view amongst most economists that would, if anything, just sort of add to the inflationary pressures or, you know, sustain those inflationary pressures potentially over the next 12 months, given that there was a 
fair portion of the spending occurring during that period. Mm. Also Budget Week, we heard Treasury forecasting were unlikely to go into uh, recession and the government really pushed that on Budget Day uh, with a separate statement. But then a week later we heard the RBNZ say that they're expecting a couple of negative quarters. When you've got those different views, um, who do you need to believe? To be honest, there's not a, a huge gap between Treasury's numbers and Reserve Bank's numbers when you look close, closely at them. I mean, we get hung up about a recession with, you know, being two quarters of negative growth. But when Treasury's numbers are bouncing along at plus 0.1 or plus 0.2, it's not much different to, you know, slipping potentially into negative territory as well. And I think at the moment there is, you know, a, a range of forecasts out there, but most are saying this is a reasonably mild slowdown in the context of the, you know, some of the strong growth that we've enjoyed over the last uh, two to three years. But again, you put that in context alongside some pretty strong migration numbers, what will be strong population growth? So on a per capita basis, maybe the slowdown is actually going to be a little bit deeper um, from that perspective than the numbers might otherwise suggest. Jared? Yeah, I, I think the main point is whether we're calling a technical recession or not, um, growth is going to be very awkward. Uh, and slow over the next year, which, you know, again, sort of surprises me that there are still these rate hike calls out there when, you know, forecasts are for two, three, four quarters of, you know, if not negative, pretty close to zero uh, outcomes. So, you know, we are heading into uh, a period where, you know, more households, businesses are rolling onto higher rates. As David said, um, if you look at the mortgage book, we look at even Kiwi Bank's mortgage book, you know, 40% of it rolls off uh, over the spring and summer. And they're rolling off rates of, you know, two, three, 4% onto sort of six plus. Um, that is a big, big stretch for, for many households. Um, and, you know, the, the debt servicing costs as a percentage of income is, is rising back to sort of the levels we've seen a, a, a decade ago. Um, but of course, those who are new to the market, have newly minted mortgages, you know, they're going to be spending a much greater proportion of their incomes uh, on, on interest. Uh, and it's going to surprise, it is surprising a lot of them. Um, you know, we printed these, these loans and they took out a, a, you know, a mortgage with a 3% rate on it. We did our due diligence and we said, you know, here's a here's a test rate of six, six and a half percent. So you should in theory be able to pay that. But then, you know, in theory is one thing, actually having to pay it is another. And they're now having to pay it. And, and that is stretching household budgets very thin. Yeah, mm. I'd, I'd sort of add that, you know, you know it's coming, but as a householder, you don't react uh, until it sort of gets very close. And I think that's what we've seen, you know, the buffers plus the fact that I know it's coming, I know it's going to be pain. But you sort of don't, as a household, as a human, <laughs> adjust your spending behaviours until it's sort of imminent. And I think that's what we've definitely seen is the reality is hitting. Um, and it's interesting. It's very gradual in New Zealand. Like in Australia, you know, most mortgages, even though they've had a lot of fixed loans, most mortgages are still floating. And, you know, their RBA has sort of stopped sooner, whether it's the peak there or not. You know, the pain is hit. It's very quick. Um, but it takes a while for households to, you know, use up buffers and react to the new sort of situation. And so, you know, we're looking at the RBA where they're taking a more sanguine stance in terms of sort of watch worry and waiting and so on. Um, what's interesting there is, you know, already seeing the impact of, of migration 
having a really significant impact on rents and house prices in the major centres like Sydney and Melbourne. Uh, you know, getting a, we interviewed a broker in Australia last week and he said, you know, you can't find a rental for love nor money in many places. And so people are starting to bid up the house to get, you know, migrants buying a house straight away rather than renting because they simply can't rent. So, you know, they've in some ways probably got a more challenging situation than the Reserve Bank where there's a lot more slowdown um, factors sort of in play at the moment. And, you know, things like the decline in house prices has driven a decline in building consents and so on as well. So, you know, there's a bit of pressure out of the building industry, just as actually we should be sort of probably dialing up building. But, you know, it's it's a, it, New Zealand is more of a watch and wait. And, uh, and you know, I think that's where we're at now, as as, uh, as Jared has says, you know, we've got a period of stability. And then, you know, the next move is almost uh, certainly down, at, well, is down, it's a question of timing. But of course, that timing will flow through to mortgage rates much sooner than in Australia, because in Australia, it's a rate cut that drives that in New Zealand. It's the expectation of a rate cut because fixed rates fall. We all take fixed rates. So, you know, that two-year fixed rate that's about six and a half now could well be, be below six at the end of the year. When we look at forecasting itself, Gareth and Jared in particular, I'm wanting to know, is it more difficult to forecast in these uncertain times where there are multiple shocks, i.e. Ukraine and then Cyclone Gabriel? And how do you give a bit of a credible stance that what you're saying week by week, month by month, um, may play out as it, as you're predicting? We, yeah, we look, oh, sorry, you go. Thanks, Jared. Um, yeah, for us, um, look, we do try and get the numbers as right as possible. Those those shocks that you mentioned do um, make it more difficult. But in a sense, you, you start to think about scenarios and, and some of the risks around how um, uh, the, the economy may play out. And that's that's... When you've got shocks at the moment, yes, that's an issue you work through. But even in in uh, more stable economic times, we'll put out a view in terms of saying this is where we think interest rates will go, or house prices, or, or building activity. Uh, but we also talk about the issues around those, so that for our clients, if they're looking at those forecasts, yes, they can plug numbers into their their marketing or sales plans into their budgets. But they can also sort of read our commentary along the way and go, okay, well, we can see that the situation is changing. Take migration at the moment as an example where it's running well ahead of what we would have expected six or nine months ago and you know they can start to join the dots we'll come out with a new forecast of course every every three months but in between times they can start to be adjusting their thinking and know what are some of those key influences that means that while our numbers might not quite stack up with how we'd previously expected they can start to adapt those okay so it's about the here and now and forward you're not sort of looking back and saying Oh, we got this wrong three months ago. Sorry. Well, as a forecaster, you do want to understand why you've got it wrong. But um, you know, like, as I said earlier, all of the economic cycles are, are different, um, and and um, you're dwelling too much on what has been before. Um, you look, you're tweaking your forecasts, you're adjusting those every time you come back and, and revisit them. So there's an is an understanding of what has changed, what has gone, what has gone wrong, what a bit, what are those different drivers. But it is taking that information and then going, okay, how does that influence our view over the next six or twelve months as well? I was going to say, as a consumer of economics forecast, you know, I don't envy it because, you know, a data point comes out and the temptation to, oh, it's going to be a hike. And then another bit comes out and it's going to be. And I think that's what we've seen the last 
last few months actually is you know i've seen i can think of one economist uh one bank in particular where they've sort of gone up down up down up down up a lot then you know back to oh we're not prepared to give that away yet and so you know not responding to every piece of data is really challenging but what that i guess tells me is that you're nearing a turning point when you've got that sort of bit of a flip-flopping going on and it might it might not it tells you whether you're at the top or bottom, as the case may be, you're very close to being there. And so, you know, I look at house prices, for example, right now, and, you know, you're getting a variety of views. That tells me that if we're not at the bottom in terms of this cycle, um, we're very near to it. So, you know, that, that's useful for us as mortgage advisors where we're talking to customers day in, day out. And, you know, buyers have been holding back from the market because it will be cheaper tomorrow. Well, that's not necessary it may be true next month or the month after but standing back picking the bottle top them isn't the isn't the key it's sort of been there or thereabouts or alternatively been there for the very long haul so uh you know i don't envy the, the challenges you sort of have but i guess i, I my observation leading into this lotus ocr move is that everyone's sort of zigged in that same direction you know rates are going up more than uh than we thought two weeks ago sort of thing and uh and uh but again it's you know it's that 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 challenge of uh which data points do you listen to or not i just looked at it and went the data points were telling me you know it was a watch worry wait sort of time i think one of the additional difficulties with something like the ocr is as a forecast you're actually trying to predict the decision of a select few people um as opposed to how the broader macro economy is going to behave so gdp or retail sales you know you're relying on the sort of behavior of a mass group of people and generally speaking the you know the modeling can work quite well but when it's you know the, the Reserve Bank governor effectively making the decision or, you know, when it's government policy around migration would be another great example where you just can't predict what politicians are going to do. You know the pressures are there in terms of businesses wanting more workers to come into the country, but given some of the sort of history around immigration resets and, and the government saying we don't want as many immigrants coming in, you'd have to be a little bit brave to say, no, they're going to buckle and, and you know, let 65,000 people into the country. But, you know, that's, that's how it has turned out. Final word to you, Jared. Yeah, um, I, I I would say that as part of forecasting, actually going through the process is really good. It's really healthy, like going through the data, what goes into a model, what's changed, uh, where were we, where where are we now, where where are we going? It's quite a good process um, to go through, and it's all about scenarios. Like we will come up and say, you know, this is our view. The next the next move in the OCR is a is a rate cut, um, but there are scenarios around that, right? Obviously, there are scenarios to the upside, which the other banks are talking about. But I'm also highlighting, well, actually, there's quite a lot of risk to the downside uh, from here as well. It's it's not uh, all upside risks at all. There, there are quite a lot of um, pointers heading south already. So that process is really helpful, um, particularly as a bank. You know, we need to have a good handle on what on what the economy is doing, you know, are we going to see a big ramp up in unemployment? You know, because we need to put money aside for the potential of, of defaults. Uh, what what is it, what are interest rates doing? You know, we need to hedge uh, our interest rate exposure. Unlike you know the Silicon Valley Bank, we do hedge our interest rates here. Um, so you know that going into those two variables, in, in particular, there's a lot of work that that goes into it. Um, yes, you can't forecast a cyclone or a pandemic or an earthquake or a war. That you know, there are things that that you know blindside you. But going through the process of this is our 
you know, central view. But by the way, if X, Y, Z happens, they'll be cutting sooner and harder or they'll be hiking. Going through that is, I think, very healthy uh, for businesses and, and also, you know, particularly uh, the bank's treasury. All right, Jared Kerr, Gareth Kiernan and David Cunningham, thanks for your time. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. If you're hungry for more and want to join the discussion, head over to nbr.co.nz. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.